Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Again, our next guest speaker uh, that is scheduled is uh, Brother Evangelist Michael Maupin. He will be here the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd of June. That's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. And so that's the, the weekend following Father's Day. And so you don't want to miss that. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't thinking really ahead of time, but he's all right. He's an evangelist. But we have general ministry conference that week, so. He and our family will be leaving Friday from ministry conference, coming here to start the revival. Amen. And so, but that doesn't really affect all y'all. You'll be fresh and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to hit it. You know, it'll probably be our umpteenth service that we've had, but uh, we're going to just continue on. Amen. Revival. So please be uh, mindful of that. That's in the month. Of, that's next. Now I can say that's next month. That's next month. And that's how how this goes next next sunday being mother's day we'll just have one service in the morning an a.m service amen so invite that that figure in your life that you call mom or consider to be mom and uh, have them come uh, with you or if you are a mom or a grandmom a man lean on those grandkids and and children say i'd really like you sitting by me in sunday morning service you just might get them here amen if you were to do that i'm going to be turning to second samuel 2 Samuel chapter 13. 2 Samuel chapter 13. And I'm going to begin reading with verse, <clears throat> verse number 30 this morning. 2 Samuel 13, verse number 30. So glad to have Sister Hill with us today. There's only a few more times that we'll probably be able to address her as that become a sister McGee there's a slew of them around and so from that point forward I'll probably start calling you by your first name just for distinction and uh, we're thankful for them and they are wedding bells are ringing very soon very soon that's just next month guys I just thought I'd let you know that's just next month as well amen and so we're so thankful for uh, this union that's going to happen and uh, we, we know and are proud of uh, Zach McGee. And uh, no doubt it's proven that he has made a tremendous uh, decision, amen, concerning his wife. And we'll learn more about her, amen, as time goes on. But she's just part of the family already, the family of God. And so we love and appreciate her. Her pastor has high regards for her. He does. We've been to prison together. Oh, the prison stories that are told <clears throat> about the saints of God when you're together. Amen. But he, he really does. He regards her and her family very high. And so we appreciate her being with us today. Amen. And the Swatsleys with us. Amen. So glad to see Cheryl here this morning. Amen. Today. So glad to have her with us. For 2 Samuel chapter 13 and verse number, verse number 30. And it came to pass while they were in the way that tidings came to David saying Absalom have slain all the king's sons and there is not one of them left 
Then the king arose and tore his garments, and lay on the earth, and all his servants stood by with their clothes rent. Jonadad, the son of Shimea, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons. For Ammon only is dead, for by the appointment of Absalom, this hath been determined from the day that he forced his sister Tamar. Now therefore, let not my lord the king take the thing to his heart to think that all the king's sons are dead. For Ammon only is dead. I'm going to preach to you this morning. I'm going to preach to you with the Lord's help. This, this subject, this title, not all the king's sons are dead. Not all the king's sons are dead. Father, I come to you today and I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, for another opportunity, God, to be here. God, we know it's just by your grace and your mercy that any of us, God, can stand where we stand today. Lord, that you have, God, caused breath and, Lord, air to pass in our lungs once again this morning, Lord. And we are able, Lord, to stand in the house of God and give worship and praise. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, today that you're able to minister, Lord, to us through your word. Your word is a living thing, Lord. It's living, Lord Jesus. It's alive. I pray, God, help us to experience the life of that living word today. God will not fail, Lord Jesus, to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you accomplish in this house today. But we'll give you the honor and the praise and the glory for it. In the lovely name of the Jesus Christ that we pray. And the church say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The lovely name of the Lord. The lovely name of the Lord. I will today, I don't always do this, but I will tell you this morning that my focal point or my audience uh, that I am directing uh, the words of the Lord, although it may be applicable to all, my audience today is the church. My audience today is the church. Not all the king's sons are dead. We do, I believe we understand this, and we have seen, if you will, evidences of this. We do live in a fallen world. And at times it seems that the plague of that condition doesn't only impact the world, but it encroaches upon the church. People and churches that you thought were resolute and firm concerning the things of God, the precepts of God, are in certain words selling their birthrights for measly bows of pottage. Like Esau in the Old Testament, they have by certain means despised their birthright. And as almost Esau did, he said, I'm at the point of death. What good is this birthright going to do me? They can't even see the profit in what has been handed to them. And so as a result, there is a domino effect, as it were, that happens in various locations, even within uh, Christian organizations around the world as yet another person or even another group compromises the unyielding message of truth that's been handed down to them. The unyielding message of truth that is contained between the pages of our Bibles. Some aged old principles have over time it would seem has been nothing more but bargaining chips that people have trifled with. And so it is in these moments that the voice of the Lord, as it was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah, 
rings very clear. Jeremiah and Jeremiah 6 and 16, the Lord said, Thus saith the Lord, He said, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. He said in verse 17, Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet, because it was the distinguishable sound of the trumpet that would call at times for an assembly of the people, sometimes just for an assembly, sometimes for the purpose with a distinction in the sound for an assembly of war. But the Bible says, but they said, we will not hearken then to the sound of the trumpet. And so this whole impact of, uh, of dealing with, with the unyielding message of truth almost haphazardly sometimes, this impact though just isn't felt um, just among the lives of those that live along the peripheral or the perimeter of the church, but it is a falling away that the scripture spoke of, a falling away that would happen and a shakening that would affect even what you may consider the high profile people among Christianity just the same. Just this week, U.S. Today uh, published an article on May 3rd. Some of you may have read it, but U.S.A. Today published an article on May 3rd entitled Online Church Ministries Use VR, which is virtual reality, apps to deliver digital services and virtual baptisms. I quote from the article that I read that it says, I quote, some people call themselves bedside Baptists and pillow Presbyterians, for example meaning loosely that their spiritual journey may not always require that they attend a physical service, unquote. I quote to you, it says, quote, over time people have sort of shifted their priorities, Hunter said. Not that church isn't a priority, but in some parts of the country, he says people are expected to attend Wednesday, Sunday morning, and Sunday evening services. He says it's a lot of commitment, unquote. I quote from the article as well that says there are some, and I, I'm not making this stuff up, that some churches perform digital baptisms where avatars, which is nothing but a graphic image that represents a person, where avatars are immersed in pools of colored pixels. I forgot to give you the picture this morning. I wish I would because it, was, it just looks like a game. There's all of these characters, avatars, standing in a pool of water. There's people sitting in their homes with virtual reality masks on their head that they have plugged into the web address of their church, and they can get baptized in the game. Not being there, not getting wet, not having anything spoken over them, but their avatar that represents them can, and they can go down in a quote-unquote watery grave of baptism. <laughs> Someone say amen. This is our times, and I'm, I'm, I'm about technology. I, I thank God for our screen so you can read on uh, all of the, uh, the lyrics of the song and have scripture up there, and I believe that. I thank God for digital sound systems and things of that nature, but uh, I, I hate to disappoint anybody. We're never going to a day of virtual reality, virtual baptisms around here. It still takes the water. It still takes the name, and it still takes it according to the scripture, but the Bible says that God said in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews said that just one 
much more he will not shake the earth only, but he will also shake heaven, that there will be a removing of the things that are shaking. I know the Bible says, and I know it's just a mark, if you will, of our times. I know scripture is plain when it says that the day of Christ shall not come, except there come a falling away first. I understand all of that, but I come to preach on this Sunday morning while some are thrown in the towel on some of the principles and the doctrines of the word and while others are trying to dilute the message and change the formality amen and the truth of God's word just as well this is true not everybody is being shaking and not everybody is falling away and not all of the king's sons are dead not every young person backslides in their teenage years and not every elder becomes wearied in their journey in the golden years of their life and are given up not every saint of God is half hearted in their commitment not every church is compromising not every organization is giving up amen to be more acceptable and more relatable but as Hebrews says we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken and not all of the king's sons are dead someone say hallelujah I submit to you this morning in our scripture reading that Absalom called a gathering of the king's sons to Baal-hazor. He called them for the time of the sheep shearing. It was a notable time in the year whenever they would go out and they would shear their sheep. It was a time of festive celebration during Israel in this time and day. It was a time where communities came together for such the occasion. We read in scripture that the man Judah had found some consolation. He had found some comfort after the death of his wife and he went to a sheep shearing. It brought comfort. So that kind of describes, amen, the atmosphere of such a thing that it could bring comfort to someone that was mourning the death of their wife. Nabal, the Bible said, held a feast during the time of sheep shearing. He held a feast in his house like the feast of a king during this time. And so Absalom, he invited the king and he invited his sons. But the Bible says that David, who was king at this time, that he refused not to come to the sheep shearing event because he did not want to be a burden unto Absalom. Because whenever the king comes, he has a great entourage that comes with him. And not only will you have supply food and drink for the king you got to supply food and drink for everybody that's in the king's entourage so he didn't want to be a burden unto Absalom and so Absalom being unable to secure the king as his guest the Bible says that Absalom pressed for what he really wanted which was the king's son the next of heir to the throne he wanted Ammon really to come and so the plan had been this Absalom had already set it up. If I can get Ammon, the king's son, amen, to this sheep shearing event. I've already told my servants that whenever Ammon comes and he is married and he's up into the festivities of everything that is going on, when I give you the signal, he says, I want you to strike Ammon and I want you to kill Ammon. See, this was a common practice in reality. It was common throughout this culture. It was typical that when a kingdom was overtaken, amen, for all of the descendants of the king to be slaughtered. If a man was going to come in and overtake the throne, he would make sure when he overtook it, he would try to kill all of the relatives of the king so that there would be no heir that would come and be able to claim the throne in his stead. The Bible tells us in the scriptures of Old Testament that Jehu had the 70 sons of Ahab 
decapitated and their heads laid in two piles before the city gate just for this reason. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings 11 that Athaliah, a woman, amen, killed all the seed royal after her son Ahaziah was smitten dead again, not wanting anybody to take the throne but herself, so they would kill all of the seed royal. So you gotta understand here just for a moment, as David in this scenario and Absalom and Ammon is unplaying, it would be a horrific, even horrific event for just, just one son to lose his life. But it wasn't just Ammon that went to this party. It wasn't just Ammon that went to the sheep shearing. The Bible says Ammon and all the king's sons went to the ship she, this sheep shearing. Amen. In this time of celebration. And so it'd be horrific just to learn that one son was to lose his life. But imagine if a report got back to you that all of the king's sons have lost their life. All the king's sons have been taken because whenever that would happen, the continuation of the kingdom to a certain degree would be stymied. The continuation of the kingdom to a certain degree would be interrupted. Our Bible story tells us this morning that the very first news that David got from the celebration over at Absalom's house was this. He heard that all the king's sons were killed. And so here's David as a father. Here's David as a king that's struggling with the idea that not one of them is left. And knowing that it was a common practice, if someone was to overtake the throne, to kill all the sons of the one that sat on the throne, it was a believable report then to David that it quite possibly could have happened that all the king's sons are dead. Amen. Yet the reality of the story is this. There was only one Ammon, the mischievous Ammon, that lost his life. The truth of the matter, not all the king's sons were dead. I've come on this Sunday morning to try to instill in our hearts today that it does sadden me to inform you as a pastor, as a leader in the church, that we've lost some good people along the way. We've lost some notable people along the way. Some have been deceived and others have been somewhat confused along the way. And there have been some precious personalities, if you will, that have laid down the banner of truth. But in the same breath I say that, I tell those that are sitting among me this morning, not all the king's sons are dead either. For every soldier that's cowering somewhere under the intimidation of the giants of this life and the programs of the world and the time in which we are living there are still some Davids that's going out on the battlefield and saying is there not a cause is there not a purpose not all the king's sons are dead someone say amen we need to thank God you can turn your attention to 2 Samuel 13 and verse 29 because the Bible says Here's all the king's sons at the festivities. Ammon, no doubt the time came, he was merry. Absalom gave the signal and he was struck dead. But the Bible says the moment that that happens, that then all these other boys, they recognize then in that moment that their life is in danger. They recognize when Ammon is taken out of the picture that their life is in danger as a king's son. And the Bible says the moment that Ammon is killed, then all the king's sons arose and every man got him upon his mule 
mule and fled. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you this morning that while some young people are sowing wild oats, uh, we still have some young people around here that's not trying to do that. Amen. While some churches are diluting doctrine and diluting, you know, by biblical standards, uh, we have some people around here that's not doing that. While some pastors are scratching, itching ears, I pray that I'm trying to stay. Amen. Just true to his word. Not all the king's sons are dead. No, you know, what are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying because I've heard too long. Well, the church isn't what the church used to be. And the church is going down. And the church is flubbing up. We'll be lucky if there is a church in 10 years. I'm here to tell you today, I know that's what's being rumored. I know that's what's being said. I know that's what someone are buying into and trying to believe. But I've come on this Sunday morning to tell you, there's still a church. There's still a bride. There's still, not all the king's sons are dead. Someone say amen. amen. Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says in verse 31 that when this word, might I say rumor, reached the king, that he arose, he tore his garments in distress, and he laid, the Bible said, on the earth, and all his servants stood with him with their clothes rent. Here's, here's the talk. He hears what's being spoken and he falls down to the ground with torn garments. Someone say amen. What are you saying this morning, McGee? I'm saying we got to be on alert this morning because it is easy to get caught up in the negative stories that circulate. It's easy to get caught up in the disheartening news, true or untrue. That circulates to the degree sometimes being a member of the church, we become disillusioned. We get disillusioned even sometimes by rumors that have no stock to them. That the reality of one son being dead transmuted into all of them being dead affects how we view then our placement in this thing called the church. Our placement in the body of God. There's a lot, let me tell you, in, as the time grows closer, there's going to be more rumors going around about the church. There's going to be more rumors and a lot of stories going around told on Christianity. But if we believe every news report, and if we believe every, if you will, word that is spoken, we may find ourselves as David did with our faces on the ground in a woe is me position with torn garments lying on the ground. But I've come to try to herald on this Sunday morning that it's not as bad as it appears to be and it's definitely not as bad as we've heard it to be. Someone say amen. Here's what happens. It's almost like a cancer. If it's fallen here and it's fallen there, and we start believing everything that comes down the pike, we might start to think that there's no use in trying on our part because this thing's going to implode anyway. This thing's going to just disconnect, fall apart, be, if you will, nothing anyway. And a matter of fact, we might start living life because of the reports. David's on the ground, folks. The king has his face in the dirt. We might start living life as the down and out. When we really should be living life as they're getting ready to go out. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. 
We sat there with our hands folded. That woe is me. We're in a horrible condition and we can't do anything for God. The world is so massive and they're flying on the left and they're dropping like flies on the right and we're just trying to sit here and endure till he comes. No, 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 no. Now all of the king's sons are dead. Somebody's got to get their face out of the dirt. Amen. Put themselves back together. Honey, this ain't over. There might have been one that's gone, but they're all not gone. There might have been one to turn their back, but they've not all turned their back. What happens? Exaggerated reports, that's what happens. They have a tendency of discouraging the people. Blown out proportion reports cause the people to forget the promises of God. It's the age-old problem. These were the very things that had impact, the very things that had effects on the children of Israel. Whenever they went into the land of Canaan, the land of promise that God said they could have, and reports came back from 10. And reports came back from 2. There was quite a difference from the 2. And when the reports came back from the 10 concerning the land and concerning the possibility of overcoming those that were in the land. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 128, they said, whether shall we go up? Israel did after they heard the report of the 10. Our brethren have discouraged our heart saying, you know what they heard? There's giants there. There's walled cities there. You can't overcome the walled city. And you can't overcome the giants. We don't care what your goal has been. We don't care what your aspiration has been. You just cannot do what's over there. You can't face what's over there. And so all the children of Israel, they got discouraged in their hearts. Why? Because of what the people were saying. You know what they were saying? You don't have a chance. You don't have an opportunity. You're never going to make no headway where you are. You're never going to enlarge your footprint where you are. And whenever they heard that type of stuff and believed that type of stuff, they become discouraged. You know what they did? They put their face in the sand. They put their face in the ground because they thought there was no way possible. Amen. But at the same moment, there was still a Joshua and a Caleb. You know what they were hollering in essence not all the king's sons are dead you know what they were hollering in essence uh, honey it's not over there's a possibility Caleb said as he stood there back with his report while others are saying you can't face the giants you can't get through the walled cities Caleb is saying let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it he says yes we can yes we can I'm telling you in today's society and in this church we need to rise to our feet one more time and say it's not all over that's not an impossibility we can enlarge our footprint we can make an impact we can and will do something for God it's not finished yet someone say amen it was in back in the 60's some of y'all lived in that time frame it was back in the 60's that a Christian songwriter by the name of Dottie Rambo I know my parents know that name well Dottie Rambo wrote a song entitled The Church Triumphant a few lyrics of the song was this it been speaking of the church it's been through the storm but the wind couldn't turn it it's been in the fire but the fire couldn't burn it fed to the lions but the lions couldn't eat it fought a lot of wars but never defeated yes it's the church triumphant O Lord and it's built by the hand of the Lord son Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, don't believe every report and voice that says the church is going to hell in a handbasket or that the church is going to pop. Sure, some have went that way, but there are still others, if you will, towers of truth. Amen. That's searching for the gate called straight and walking in the way called narrow. Someone say amen. 
Here's David now. He's in shambles, Sister Margaret. He's believing the report. He believes all the sons are dead. All the king's sons. His face is on the ground. And then walks up Jonadab and calls to David. He gets his attention in verse number 32 of 2 Samuel 13. And he says to David, he said, let not my Lord suppose. Let not my Lord suppose that they have slain all the young men, the king's sons. For Hammond only is dead. I don't know what it is about humanity, but this seems to be the case. Not maybe with everybody, but a good proportion of it. Our minds have the tendency and capacity to believe the worst. When negative things happen or when dismal things make the press, we believe the worst. Some people just have a gift toward that thing. You know, you start getting a pain in your, in your, 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 your index finger on your left hand and you've already diagnosed yourself with cancer. Just have a tendency just to believe the worst. Don't even suppose that there's any chance outside of it just being maybe a pinched nerve or perhaps you did something the other day that aggravated it. You know, just don't believe there's any other chance. Because, you know, I knew somebody else who had pain in their left index finger and they had cancer. You understand what I'm saying? I heard something else happen over at this church and, you know, it was two years and they had the doors closed. Don't even suppose there's any other chance because, you know, one or two have been snatched away or because three or four, you know, abandoned that over there and, you know, they expired at the hand of the mercenaries. So, you know, we're just doomed and it's gloom and despair and the black crowds are rolling in and we might as well just go on and start canceling a few services and, you know, not get together for a potluck or, you know, anything like that because it's all going south. Lord, listen, listen, listen. Jonadab stood up while David was in his turmoil and he was trying to combat, you know, the negativity of the rumor and say it tell him it's just been one it's not been all of them and while we don't want to lose any he was just trying to weigh out the scales it's just been one it's you still got plenty of boys that's coming back home someone say amen and so see this killing of the sons thing very very effective very effective in biblical times amen in order to secure the throne but as it happened here it happened before and that is this Many times, not all the sons or all the relatives got killed. At times, there were some that did not lose their life that came back to haunt the very one that was trying to overtake the throne. In our story, only Ammon died. But in 2 Kings 11, there was only one boy among the sons that was left alive. But it could still ring true that not all the king's sons were dead, even if there was one living. The Bible says in 2 Kings 11 and verse number 2, But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Isaiah, took Joash, the son of Isaiah, and stole him from among the king's sons which were slain. And they hid him, even him and his nurse, in the bedchamber from Athaliah. Athaliah is the one that killed all the seed royal so that he was not slain. In other words, she killed all the king's sons but didn't get this one. She annihilated them all, but she didn't get this one son, 
Joash. And the Bible says in verse 3, and he was with her hid in the house of the Lord six years. And Athaliah did reign over the land. <laughs> now, don't you think for a moment that Athaliah thought pretty proud of herself having taken all the seed royal, but even unbeknownst to her, she had missed one. And even unbeknownst to a large population of the kingdom that day, hey man, they didn't know that she had missed one. And so the report that is pervasive in the land at that time, Athaliah has come in and taken out all the seed royal. Hands are drooping low. Knees are weak and feeble. Faces are in the dirt because it's all been taken away from them. All the king's sons have been dead. But little did they understand that one son had survived. He and his nurse have been taken aside. And look where they have been kept. They've been put in the bedchamber in the house of God. For six years, that boy is over there. I believe he's around one years old whenever all this took place. For six years, he's in the house of God. That nurse is nurturing him. She's feeding him. They're teaching him the statutes of God's word. They're teaching him all of the ropes, if you will, of kingship and kingdom mindedness. For six years, he's being fed. For six years, amen, he is being educated, if you will, in the things of the nation and in the things of the church. All along, it looks like Athaliah is ruling. All along, it looks like the enemy has had the upper hand. But the Bible said it was on the seventh year, amen, when the enemy and a large group of people thought all the king's sons were dead. Amen, on the seventh year, the Bible says they took him out from that hidden place of being in the house of God and they brought him before the people and before Athaliah and they anointed his head with oil and they made him king and this is what the Bible says 2 Kings 11 verse 13 when Athaliah heard the noise what's going on something's coming out from the foes of the temple that you never slaughtered what are you saying there was one of the king's sons still living coming out from the folds of the temple that's been educated concerning the things of God in the kingdom. Here is Joash. And when Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. Verse 14 says she rent her clothes. Listen to me. David rent his clothes because he thought they were all dead and his face is in the ground. But I'm here to tell you, the enemy will rent his when he learns there's just one still with it. David is in the molly groves because he thinks all hope is lost. I'm telling you, our adversary gets in the molly groves when he understands there's still one child of God that is true, blue, steadfast, devoted, committed, not giving up, not thrown in the towel. Not all the king's sons are dead. Yes! Someone say amen. She rent her clothes. The Bible even says later that they, they killed Athaliah. I love it. I love it. Because a rumor of all the king's sons being dead. David believes, dies in essence. Goes to the ground, rents his clothes. But the enemy has the same response. Just knowing one of them is still alive. I'm here to tell you today, God's going to have a church. 
from the book of Genesis until the appointed time right now, God has always had a church. He's always had a people among a people. And it isn't the first time they've tried to be snuffed out. It isn't the first time their numbers have tried to be squashed. But if there's always been at least one, Honey, he'll save eight on an ark through a disastrous flood so he can repopulate his nation. Not only that, if you want to look at the literal side of it of the Jews, you can see everything that they've been through, and yet there still stands that little nation over there about the size of New Jersey. Amen. That's there. Very wealthy, very educated, impacting science. Amen. Grander than greater places of larger populations. Why? Because God's always going to have a people. God's going to always have a people. God, there's still always going to be some of the king's sons that survive. Take them through their holocaust. Take them through the seven day war. Take through all of that. And there's still going to be a people. Someone say amen. So as the church, as individuals, we need to stand up today. We need to be boisterous today to combat the voice of the enemy. And we need to get up. We need to get off our face. We need to put our garments back together. We need to regain our composure and tell him not all the king's sons are dead. And I'm one of them. Notice what happens here. You can look at it in verse 34, 2 Samuel 13 and verse 34. Not only did Jonadab try to correct David in thinking that not all the king's sons were dead, it's just one of them, it was Ammon. But while his face is still yet there on the ground, he tries to point David's attention to the crowd that's coming. There's a watchman that's sitting there upon the wall where David is. And as David's face is on the ground, his servant's garments are torn because David tore his. And Jonadab is standing there. The watchman starts to cry out and say, hey, hey, there's a multitude of people that's coming. There's a grand group of people that's coming. And what Jonadab told David, he said, David, he said, the king's sons are approaching. He said, the king's sons are coming, David. What's he trying to do? David, get your head out of the dirt. Get your head out of the dirt. The king's sons are coming. Come on, David, look. That's what he said. Look. He says, I want you. you, you, you you're, still, you're still relying on an old report of what happened somewhere. And you're thinking it's so pervasive, it's affecting the here and now. He said, look. Lift up your head. The king's sons are coming. And the Bible has this refrain in answer to that. And the king's sons indeed came. Someone say Amen today we got to allow the grief to match the loss for me to say that no one's ever thrown in the towel I'd be lying to you it's happened but we got to allow the grief to match the loss meaning we don't need to catastrophize the loss of one into something that all hope is lost there have been some good churches that I even preached in no longer with us. But I got to allow my grief, Bishop, to match the loss and not cast, catastrophize it in that every church I ever preached in going to close its doors or jump ship or not hold up the banner of truth. It's heart wrenching to lose one. It's heart wrenching to lose one. But I'm trying to cause our minds to think this morning while it's heart wrenching to lose one. Don't forget about the number that's still praying. Don't forget about the number that's still worshiping. Don't forget about the number that's still giving. Don't forget about the number that's still serving. If I could say, don't forget about the number that's still coming. 
Because if I get in the mentality, brother, brother, friend, man, I could lose one around here and catastrophize that to so much a place. It's like nobody wants church. Nobody wants to serve the Lord anymore. Nobody wants to worship. But whenever I come here on Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know what I got to remind myself? There's a Pat Dykes that still wants to come. There's a Fred McGee that still wants to come at 8 o'clock last night and mow the lawn. There's still some Sunday school teachers that want to teach. There's still some youth workers that want to do something with young people. What are you saying? They're not all dead. Not all the kids. They're coming. Come on, David. They're coming. And indeed they can. Someone say amen. My heart is bolstered this morning. Because it's been in the past few months and probably weeks and even just yesterday. that my heart has been encouraged about the church. My heart has been encouraged about the banner of truth that is waving. In just the past few months, my heart has been strengthened that although some have lost, not all is lost. I've listened. We have this great, we have this great opportunity today. We're all connected digitally and network and socially. And I had the opportunity to listen to people preach. Young men preach half my age across the United States today. Amen. We didn't have that opportunity whenever I was younger. But I've listened to young men preach. Amen. Across the states, half my age in our organization, preach some tremendous sermons and tremendous messages. Better, I'll even say, than I could ever preach at their age. And you know what it tells me? And they're preaching. And they, they have a strong understanding and a strong grasp on the biblical truth. And they're not afraid to proclaim it. You know what that tells me? Not every young person, not every young man, amen, is just for glitter and gold. Amen. And this and that. No, no. They're, a, they're not all lost. Not all the king's sons are dead. It doesn't my heart well. I shared this with you. And I'm not afraid, amen, to brag upon him. But here in just the past couple of weeks, Brother Zach McGee had reached out to me through text. And he was talking to me about just wanting to sure up his understanding of the Godhead and the oneness of God. And so I advised him, Brother Mason, about what to do. And, and I literally told him, I could feed you with so much material. I didn't say this, but I could make you puke on it you know and so I said I could feed you with materials I can give you stuff to read to study to listen to and he accepted the challenge and so I began to feed him a book on the Godhead and he began to read it amen and he sent notes back to me that he has taken amen just to make sure he's understanding what he's reading correctly and I'm here to tell you that he's point on amen he's wanting to become more established in the Godhead he's understanding the spirit revelation is falling upon him what are you saying I'm saying not all the king's sons are dead. Not all the king's sons are dead. Oh, there's some that's not hungry anymore and they're going after fanciful things. Not all of them. There's still some Zach McGee's that's hungry for an understanding and a revelation about who God is. And is eager to chase it. Not all. Not all dead. Sonny, it's the way it was, Bishop. When we, the age that I grew up, man, every young man was a preacher, That's teacher, right. something. Right. You go fellowship means how many young ministers you got? Man, they popped up like popcorn all over the building. There's a hunger and desire. They sat on the front pew. I sat there after I received the Holy Ghost, taking notes and scrounging down what the preacher was saying, what the Sizemore was teaching. People sat in audiences writing down what was being said, what was being spoken. Hey, man, we still got people around here. Every once in a while, I'll catch somebody writing something down. 
Not all the king's sons are dead. Not all the king's for some there's still an insatiable desire for the things of God amen I know that there's other packages of allurement out there if you will but there's still people young people old people amen people still longing for the cloud of God's glory to fill his house they are not all dead if you'll stand with me I'll come to a close if you'll stand with me just as recently as yesterday I was in my office doing some studying here at the church yesterday. And I had received, received correspondence from a young man. I call him a young man, but he's a graduate from a notable university with a bachelor's degree now. But whenever I first came into his life, he was a young man, probably around 11 years old. He was a pastor's son of a place that we used to go evangelize. Remember him as just a young boy. He played the drums. Me and my wife always discussed this. Just something on that guy's life. It wasn't that it was just on there, but he hungered. You can just see it. Here he is now. University graduate. Has been now, for, I think, for a year or so. He contacted me. He said, Brother McGee, he said, uh, he said I wonder if you'd do something for me. He says, I'm writing a book. Yes, he's writing an apostolic book. He told me the premise of it all. I won't share that because, of course, it's not out yet. So I'm writing a book. He said, I should have my manuscript ready to go to the editor by Memorial Day. He said, I was wondering if, if I could just forward that on to you and you'd write an endorsement for my book for me. He's not real. I've never written a book. I have people tell me I should, but I've never written a book. This young man is writing an apostolic book. Hoping to have the manuscript done by Memorial Day. He wants to know if I'll write an endorsement for his book. So I'm here to tell you this morning, confidently, that not all the king's sons are dead. They exist. They're coming. And my conclusion will be this. Indeed, they came. Sometimes you've got to broaden your worldview. Sometimes you've got to broaden it beyond Mount Carmel. Sometimes you got to let the compass encircle not just your city and your state, but your country and the world to understand the pulse. That there's people out there moving. They're shaking. They're climbing. They're aspiring for the kingdom of God. And in the process, they're not compromising that iota. Not all the king's sons are dead. I'm looking across this congregation today. And my heart swells with confidence and pride because I know among us there are people that you have defended the truth. You've combated the voices that said it all isn't going to happen. And arose and said, yes, it will, even when it wasn't happening in the But I hate to tell Athaliah, she thinks she's reigning. But we got some kids hidden in the chamber of the house of God. Nurturing, feeding, teaching, educating, 
just going to be the day that we just bring the horn of oil over their head and anoint and the very thing that thought it was ruling now they're going to come out of the house of God say wait a minute I'm a king's son (laughs) you might have got my mom and my dad because we've had those episodes you might have got my mom and my dad but I'm still here hey hey they're not all dead they're not all dead can we just bow our heads in this place this morning they're not all dead oh I refuse to accept all the negativity of reports that want to catastrophize the bad things that indeed do happen and the fallouts that do take place but that's not happening everywhere and that's not taking place everywhere and that's not going to be the disease that claims everybody somebody this morning just might need to raise your head from the dirt and look because the king's sons are coming this altar is open this morning for any child of God that's in this place that says, Brother McGee, I've had friends. I've had friends that I've walked with that's no longer. But you know what? I'm not turning my back. I've, I've had others that I've been acquainted with that I've known to throw in the towel, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be numbered among those. No, no. I'm going to be one of those king's sons that's not dead. I'm going to aspire. I'm going to hunger. I'm going to chase the things of me of God. They're coming. Will there be one? Will there be two? Whoever in this place this morning, we got to somehow get it settled in our spirit. We can't catastrophize these things. We can't just bury our head and throw up our hands and say, well, there's no use in even trying. There's no use in making any effort. It's all going down. No, no, no. Well, it's all going down. The Bible says, in the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. While there's a great falling away, there's going to be a great gathering too as well. It will be the best and the worst of times. Not all the king's sons are going to die. Brother Mason. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.